Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late-night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hi, it's your favorite throwback podcast hosts, Jessica Bennett and Susie Banacaram here to announce a new season of our show in retrospect. Which means a whole new batch of episodes diving into the pop culture moments we love and love to pick apart. From the dethroning of the first black Miss America to the legacy of a lesbian joke from four Kaftan-loving Golden Girls. Listen to In Retrospect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Paper Ghosts is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello? Irene, hi, it's it's M. William Phelps, Matthew. Okay, you're the person who left the message earlier today. Yeah. Um, it's been 47 years since the nurse at Janice Pocket School discovered a piece of information that would change the way I have looked at this case for the past 11 years. Janice Pocket was only seven years old when she disappeared in 1973. After leaving home on her bicycle, In search of a dead butterfly, she had tucked behind a rock a third of a mile down the road from her house. There was one witness, a neighbor, who saw a blue station wagon parked, blocking the road, and a man wearing a khaki-colored uniform of sorts, walking toward the direction Janice went. The neighbor sensed the man was following something, or someone, down the road. But this lead never went anywhere for law enforcement. 
For years I had been hearing about this nurse from Janice's school who might have information, big information. The only problem? No one could get in touch with her. So I spoke to Janice's sister about it one day. After checking with some old neighborhood friends, she came back to me with a phone number and an address. I called, and there she was, Nurse Irene Raish, talking about that time period so long ago. I was a school nurse in that building, and she was transferring to another building when she went into grade three. And I get all my health records together, I check everyone, and then send them over. The school year had closed out. Being July, the summer of 1973 was in full swing. Kids were out and about, playing and enjoying the time off. The new school year was two months away, in September. Nurse Irene was transferring records for each student moving from one grade to the next. As she was going about this annual routine, Irene noticed something odd. Her record was the only one of my records that was missing. I assume she discovered Janice's medical records missing after the search for Janice began. But information in cold cases needs to be run down and double-checked because it is often woven with innuendo and rumor. And wouldn't you know, the idea that Irene realized Janice's records disappeared after Janice vanished and police started asking questions was wrong. Actually, that record was missing right before. From what I can recall, I was getting the records together to go, and of course I check every single one, and hers was missing then, and I was a little surprised. I'm very careful with health records. A lot of information in those records. Yeah, including her address, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> Where were the records kept? In the school health office, in a file, you know, one of the large uh, four-draw files. I will tell you that that file was not kept locked. Back then, it didn't appear to be the sort of thing you needed to be concerned about. Those files were not kept locked. Besides the school nurse, who else would have had access to that room where students' records were kept? It was 1973, and as Irene says, there was a lackadaisical approach to storing personal information. The HIPAA privacy rule, a law protecting patients' medical records, keeping them private, was not signed into law until 1996. Let me ask, periodically, were there other people who would come in from the school district that worked for the school district that traveled around to each school in Tallinn? From what I can recall, the only ones that would uh, come would be like a maintenance person. A maintenance worker. Now that's interesting. I make a mental note to check out the school's employment history during the time Janice went missing. It's a solid lead. After years of interviewing hundreds of people, I'm familiar with the set of names connected to these cases. This could be that one tip pointing me to a new name within my investigation. It could also be a simple instance of a misplaced file sending me down a rabbit hole. Still, I cannot ignore it or downplay how important I think it is beckoning me in a new direction. It was not misfiled. It was never found. It evaporated just like she did, unfortunately. Previously on Paper Ghosts. The next thing I remember is my sister, and she had asked if she could go to get the butterfly. This is so silly, but I felt bad. I, I'm like, I should have gone with her. 
it was a guy. Nobody was in the car. He was walking, looking ahead, very quietly. It haunted me all this time. I can see it as if it just happened. I say get over here and find out what yeah, these are. I mean, all I saw was the sneakers sticking out. Right. So uh, I stopped digging at that point. My name is M. William Phelps. This is Paper Ghosts. As I make serious progress with my investigation into what happened to Janice Pocket that summer day, I cannot stop thinking about the other missing girls I've been searching for as well, and if there is some sort of connection among them. I mentioned in the last episode how the neighboring towns of Ellington, Vernon, and Tallinn, Connecticut were on high alert when Janice Pocket went missing. I mean, you ask anyone in this area, even today, all these years later, and they will all recall that name associated with that butterfly. And what makes this case even more creepy is the fact that one year after Janice Pocket went missing, another young girl was abducted just a few miles from where Janice was last seen. The case I've been investigating the longest is 13-year-old Lisa Joy White's abduction. I have a very personal stake in this one. I've known Lisa's sister, April White Folletti, for over 30 years. We grew up around here. She's like family. Hello. April's been a dance studio owner and instructor for decades. She has a relentless energy about her. She's very petite, white blonde hair past her shoulders. I meet her at the studio she owns in Ellington, Connecticut. There's flashy dance garb hanging everywhere, dozens of championship awards on the walls. Young girls, Lisa White's age, some of whom even resemble her, running around, getting ready, putting on their point shoes, selecting rehearsal music. April and I sit down on a round couch in the center of the studio's reception area. She explains what it was like back when Ellington and Vernon were small Connecticut country towns, just after her sister disappeared in 1974. The outreach was massive. The public outcry for police to find Lisa, intense. Some residents showing up at the Vernon Police Department demanding justice. I moved into Vernon in 1979, five years after Lisa went missing and recall even then how stirred up everyone still was about Lisa's case. You went to the post office, Little League games, local gas station, and there was Lisa's face, now next to Janice's, and another young girl I'll focus on in a future episode, on a poster, missing, scrawled across the top. Three young girls, who now would define the term in this part of New England, Seeing those posters, such innocent faces, and that one word missing, as a 12-year-old myself, terrified me. Whose photo would be next on those posters? Everywhere. Everywhere. On telephone poles, in our one grocery store, in the library. I mean, even I was in um, elementary school Maple Street, and they were hanging in there. And it just, every time you'd see one, it, it just, just 
takes your breath away, just knocks the wind out of you. That pain is ubiquitous, always there. It's forever, no matter the outcome. I saw it on Judy Kelly, April and Lisa's mother, every time we met. April, whenever we begin talking about Lisa, has the same shallow gaze, which tells me the mere mention of her sister brings her right back. Time doesn't change anything. And I knew that there'd be a poster. You know, I, I would literally tremble. You know, this could happen to me as right, well. Right. You right. know, but just knowing the pain, the anguish that my mother was going through. I remember that, and especially right after it happened, when you would see posters, I almost felt embarrassed because I didn't want people thinking that my mother was a bad mother. But I also lived in, in Lisa's shadow. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting... That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back for me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all you 20-somethings out there. Are you tired of pretending like you have it all figured out? Well, guess what? You're not alone. Get ready to embrace the chaos with the premiere of the fourth season of Crying in Public. Join me, your host, Sydney Winter, as I take the mic solo for the very first time. 
I'm here to share the good, the bad, and the downright awkward of navigating this crazy thing we call girlhood. Consider this your go-to guide for surviving your 20s with style and grace. Well, for the most part. From dissecting mysteries of modern dating to surviving and thriving in the daily grind of adulting, crying in public covers it all. And then some. So grab your headphones because you're about to get real, raw, and a little ridiculous. And let's face it, life's too short to pretend like we've got it all together. It's time to embrace the chaos. So don't miss out on the laughs, the tears, and the inevitable existential crisis. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. On this day, 40 years ago, a teenage girl disappeared in Vernon. Well, today the community came together to remember Lisa Joy White and make sure that she is not forgotten. April and I established the Lisa White Stone Memorial with the help of volunteers in 2014 at Talcott Park in Rockville, Connecticut. It was the 40th anniversary of Lisa's disappearance and the mayor of Vernon was on hand as were several members of the Vernon Police Department I've come to know over the years. About a hundred people showed up. That's love. That's commitment. That's community. The memorial is a stone boulder, actually, about the size of a golf cart. Etched in it is Lisa's class photo, underneath the words, gone but not forgotten. It's the same image plastered on missing person flyers and posters, exemplifying Lisa's piercing blue eyes, golden blonde hair parted in the middle, sweeping just over her shoulders. Lisa displays a half smile, a smirk, which kind of speaks to her character. The memorial is as much a dedication to Lisa as it is to Judy Kelly, April and Lisa's mother. Judy was a single mom, three kids, uh, working three different jobs, trying to make ends meet. Um, very hard worker, did her best to get us to all our extracurricular activities, the cheerleading, the dance, the baseball, the football, and did an awesome job with that. And dance, though, was the focus for Lisa. Correct. Wasn't your focus? No, I went because Lisa went. And you kind of took over really what was Lisa's dream. Correct. Yes. Where we are right now at the studio. Exactly. And you ran with it. Yes. It was very important to Judy. Um, Sometimes I felt I was trying to be two people. I was trying to be Lisa and myself, which is a lot of pressure, especially, you know, the teenager and and whatever. But um, without Lisa, I would have never started dancing. That, That was her thing. She was extremely talented, um, strong as a bull. Lisa was a natural acrobat and dancer. Silent 8mm home movies show this side of her. But she also had an independence about her, even at a young age. She was driven by a need to be autonomous, to rebel, to stare authority in its eyes and confront it. 
Unfortunately, when she started hanging around the wrong people, her interest kind of waned. Yes, it did. I mean, Lisa was kind of tough, right? Yes. Yes, very tough, very uh, bullheaded, um, never backed down, always ready for an argument or a fight. April continued talking about who Lisa liked to hang out with. She had, you know, a couple of girlfriends her age. The, the males that she was hanging with, five, six, even seven years older, young men, not the best influences. Lisa ran with a tough crowd, an older group. She was living a life beyond her 13 years. The night before she went missing, Lisa was with some of those friends. It was Halloween, 1974. She was with uh, a group of young men and her friend, who was the same age as her, and they um, went joyriding. There was drinking involved um, up on the Massachusetts border. And they decided to throw pumpkins out the window and were pulled over. Um, and they took Lisa to the state police barracks. No one could have known then that this situation would become such a crucial moment within Lisa's investigation and actually hinder chances of finding her. And had to call my mother to come pick her up. Needless to say, my mother was enraged, uh, very concerned. I think at that point she had been going through so many other incidents that had happened that were just, you know, very discerning. discerning. It's okay. And she was grounded on November 1st because of that night. That is correct. And as soon as Judy took off for work and her second shift job, Lisa decided what? She decided that she was going to go and see this friend who she thought of as a sister. April is referring to Maria Scro, Lisa's closest friend. On the night she went missing, Lisa walked from her house in Vernon and headed toward downtown Rockville, about two miles. According to new information I've obtained, during that walk, Lisa stopped to see two friends, telling both she would call them later that night at about 11 p.m. when she returned home. So she was there, um, I think, for a couple hours and wanted to get home before my mother got home from work because, again, she was grounded. And at that point, she decided, you know, she was going to leave and try and hitchhike home and never made it home. I'm in Vernon today to meet with Maria Scro, the friend who was with Lisa the night she disappeared. I'm going to be parking right here just down the street from Lisa's memorial. I want to get a feel for where Lisa was the last time she was seen. I mean, I've been here dozens of times. It's not far from where I live today. Talcott Park on the corner of Prospect and Elm. Hi, Marie. How are you? Good, how are you? Maria Scro is the same age Lisa White would be today, about 59. She has short, wavy gray hair and this gentle way about her, very sincere. She looks around a lot as we chat, as if she's expecting to recognize someone walking by. Maria does not live anywhere near Vernon Rockville these days. Downtown Rockville can be a busy place. This area, the streets around the park, I call it Funeral Row, because several old 
and quite creepy Victorian homes around us were transformed long ago into funeral homes. I've buried friends here myself. We head towards Talcott Park, where Lisa White's memorial is located and just down the street from where Maria and her parents used to live. The park itself is small, about the size of a football field, full of your typical boring town landscaping, a playscape in one corner, several bench seats scattered around, one directly in front of Lisa's memorial. The green grass is separated down the middle with a cement sidewalk running from one corner to the other. Maria speaks with a voice touched by an inherent pain I have become all too familiar with when speaking to people connected to these cases. I've learned there is no expiration date on memory when it comes to trauma. Maria is a mother herself. Like everyone else I've spoken to, she tells me the years, time, has not changed anything. The pain of not knowing is relentless, nonstop, and crushing. I ask her what she remembers about the night Lisa went missing. So now, did she call you that night to come over? Yeah, we, she came over to my house to, um, she wanted to leave my mom and dad a note saying that she was very sorry and, and you know, embarrassed that, you know, we got in trouble and the night that before. she hurt them. Yes. And um, then, you know, my dad was home, but he was sleeping. So we were being quiet, you know, in my bedroom being quiet. And she walked over. She walked over. They walked everywhere. This is important to me and the thread beginning to present itself. You know, either I was down her house, she was up here, or we were up at Red Apple. That's where our hangout was. The Red Apple was a small town grocery store about 1.5 miles from Maria's house. One of those places where they bagged your groceries and some zit-faced kid wearing a bow tie carried them out to the car. Now remember... Lisa was grounded because of the trouble she'd gotten into with Maria the previous night on Halloween. She was not supposed to see Maria ever again. And so she waited for her mother to leave for work near 4 p.m. and then snuck over to Maria's house. So after Judy went to work, she walked right, over. Right, she came over. My mom was gone. So I said, yeah, my mom's gone. She said, all right. So then, you know, we talked and hung out and we hugged each other and said, we'll see you, you know, we'll see you at school because we weren't allowed to see each other. and um, How come you weren't allowed to see? Because, because of, of the trouble. Lisa loved to write notes, poems, prose. On the day she went missing, Lisa penned a two-page note to her mother, Judy Kelly, on yellow paper. Ma, look, I'm really sorry, it began. She then apologized for the trouble she'd caused the previous night. As the letter continued, she also talked about what she wanted out of life. Quote, Maria and her family, end quote. Lisa yearned to move into Maria's house. She longed for a traditional family lifestyle. What's clear is that the note is not a Dear Mom, I'm running away letter. It was Lisa explaining feelings she could not face sharing with her mother in person, while expressing how sorry she was for the previous night, binge drinking and tossing those pumpkins out of the car. She loved her mom. Sure. But they had their arguments and sure. stuff too, sure. you know. But she loved her mom. And she never, ever talked about running away, you know. I mean, sometimes she'd be like, I can't wait till I'm old enough to move out and get me, you know, the things 13 year olds think about. But she never, she wouldn't hurt her family like that. In the letter, Lisa also mentioned a boy named Greg and said she loved Greg 
and Maria, quote, more than anything, end quote. Near the end of the letter, Lisa added, I really am starting to understand more. What did she talk about to you leading up to that night? She was in love with Greg. Greg was Maria's boyfriend's best friend, a few years older, and Lisa claimed she loved him. He was the same boy she and Maria were with the night they got into trouble. This was the reason why they hung out at the Red Apple so much. Both boys lived nearby. Early on, Greg was looked at as a potential suspect, but then quickly ruled out. As Lisa and Maria hung out that night, November 1st, there came a time when Lisa said she had to leave. And um, so she said, all right, I better go because, you know, my mom was going to be coming home and she wanted to be Judy home before she got out of work. And do you remember what time she showed up? I don't really remember that. Okay. What time she left? She left about 7.30 or so. It wasn't late, you know what I mean? Because my mom was grocery shopping, so I know it wasn't late. I should point out that by 7.30 p.m. in November in New England, it's dark as a cave outside. Hitchhiking could not have been a safe feeling. And did, do you know which way she went? She always goes that way. Maria pointed west. The shortest way home for Lisa would have been to take a right out of the Scrow house and walk about two blocks, then trek six blocks, ending up at a nearby 7-Eleven. So we always went down to 7-Eleven and up West Road and then cut over. West Road, where the 7-Eleven still is today, took Lisa to her street, Reagan Road. Maria is certain Lisa went this way. Lisa's mother reported her missing at about 10.30 p.m., so her leaving Maria's at 7, 7.30 gave her abductor a head start of three to four hours. Think about that for a moment. It's 1974. No internet, no cell phones. Police departments had very limited communication among one another, if much at all. From Rockville, three to four hours was enough time to be in Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey. You know, and the next thing I know, I don't know even know what time it was, one o'clock in the morning, whatever, my parents were waking me up and they said, did you see Lisa tonight and do not lie to us? And that's when I got choked up. <laughs> and that's when I said yes. And... So that started the whole thing. That started the whole thing. And in the beginning, it it was kind of like she had run away. Right. Everybody thought she ran away because of the, you know, we had gotten in trouble. Of course, Judy was madder than a hornet. My parents were madder than a hornet. And everybody thought she ran away. So a lot of the focus was on me, that I knew where she was. I was hiding her. The first set of investigators, and even as recently as 2016, focused on Maria as someone who knew what happened to Lisa White. Detectives pressured her to tell them where Lisa had run off to. It was that old investigative mentality that Lisa had run away that probably hampered any early evidence that could have been collected, especially witness statements. And look, this was by no fault of the police. The situation appeared to be that of a runaway. It was 1974. All of the early reports, and I've seen and read every one, are focused on Lisa taking off. I'm like, I'm 13 years old, you know? Maria pleaded with police, I do not know anything. With pressure mounting in those hours and days after Lisa went missing, Maria took matters into her own hands. 
And um, me and a bunch of kids, we went up all by uh, Valley Falls, showing her picture, you know, looking for her in the woods, up at the snip, looking around. But they always came back to thinking that I knew where she was. So finally, I took my, you know, the, uh, the state cop, I don't remember his name, he was on the leak case. He said, well, the only way to prove that you don't know anything, let's take a lie detector test. And I said, yes, and my father said, I'll give permission. So you took a lie? And I took the lie detector test. And you passed? And I passed. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back from me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all you 20-somethings out there. Are you tired of pretending like you have it all figured out? Well, guess what? You're not alone. Get ready to embrace the chaos with the premiere of the fourth season of Crying in Public. Join me, your host, Sydney Winter, as I take the mic solo for the very first time. I'm here to share the good, the bad, and the downright awkward of navigating this crazy thing we call girlhood. Consider this your go-to guide for surviving your 20s with style and grace. Well, for the most part. From dissecting mysteries of modern dating to surviving and thriving in the daily grind of adulting, crying in public covers it all. And then some. So grab your headphones, we're about to get real, raw, and a little ridiculous. And let's face it, life's too short to pretend like we've got it all together. It's time to embrace the chaos. So don't miss out on the laughs, the tears, and the inevitable existential crisis. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi there. Chelsea Handler here from the Dear Chelsea podcast, and I love women. 
iHeart is proud to celebrate International Women's Day by highlighting some truly exceptional women and the work they do to make the world a better place. There are certain things that only women can do, like bring life into the world, multitask successfully, and in my opinion, women are the only people who should ever be seen wearing open-toed shoes. Our guest this week is none other than Monica Lewinsky. We discuss what to do about online bullying, why the media treats men and women so differently, and how we women can turn our pain into power. On Dear Chelsea, we give unfiltered, powerful, and often hilarious, I do say so myself, advice to our listeners who write in about anything from breakups and loss to nosy neighbors and what to do about your boyfriend's OnlyFans habit. Which brings us right back to International Women's Day. Take a moment this week to think about how you can support the women in your life and then take action. Find Dear Chelsea on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something happened after Maria took the polygraph, which I can sense and see as I talk to her, still has a lingering, intense emotional effect. And I'll never forget it. And I don't blame Judy. I never did. But when she found out that I passed it, she came to my house in a flurry. And she said, I wish it was you. I wish it was you that was dead. Judy Kelly was relentless in her pursuit of finding her daughter such as stopping at the Vernon Police Department every month for decades, always up in their face. Judy Kelly and I had a special bond. In 2009, she asked me to look into Lisa's disappearance. I promised I would find answers. But on July 3rd, 2012, just after sharing over 400 pages of materials she'd collected and handed off to me, including a detailed diary she kept on the day Lisa went missing and letters Lisa left behind. Judy passed away at the age of 72. It's been a personal obsession of mine ever since to honor my word. Every time I open up this case in particular, this tight anxiety builds in my gut, as if the answer to Lisa's disappearance is in front of me, but I just cannot reach it. Digging through that 400-page binder one day, I came across a newspaper clipping from 1975, the year after Lisa went missing. Judy had published a letter to the editor chastising local law enforcement's search for her daughter. She wrote, quote, I was surprised to see that Vernon police organized a rescue team of 100 men to search for a 46-year-old man who was missing for two days. Why is it that this effort was not made to locate a 13-year-old girl? End quote. I know from reading Judy Kelly's diary that she was never in denial. She knew her daughter. She felt it. Lisa was never coming back. Which was why she used the word dead when she saw Maria all those years later and said she'd wished it was her. I've seen this in similar cases. The pain is so intense for family emotion emphatically raw and frayed you really have no idea what you're saying or doing all you see are those images in your head of what you think is happening to your child what some scumbag may be doing to her judy lashed out at the only person she could the last connection to lisa i understand that judy had the anger 
but I think it would have been easier if her and I stayed, kept our bond, and, you know, we're there for each other because I was completely cut off from them, completely. Judy said, I don't want you here. I don't want you near my kids. You know, she, and I understand it. I do, that she was so hurt and heartbroken and not knowing where her child was that I was the, the goat, the scapegoat. You know, it's easier to be angry at somebody than it is to feel right. pain. And, but years later, I understood. When I became a mother, I understood. She was just upset. Yeah, Judy didn't talk to me for many, many years, you know. And <clears throat> I think I was, I had my kids by then, so it was my mid-twenties. And I seen her and we talked. And she said, you know, I never met her. And I said, I know, I'm a mother now, too. Right. I don't hold it against her. Right, right. I look at this woman in front of me, crying, shaking, 45 years after the experience, and what I refer to as the ripple effect of murder and the pain these cases cause turns into a wave, a never-ending torrent of emotions. So Lisa takes off. I mean, she was always sticking out her thumb, right? We did, but I don't know if she would do it by herself because we always had that code, always be together. But... You know, in her mind, maybe thinking, I'm not going to get home in time. Let me see if I can get a ride. You know, I don't know. But we always had that code, never buy ourselves hitchhike. That word, hitchhike. Maria claims she and especially Lisa were cautious, never reckless. Alone, they would never take rides from anyone. Still, Maria worries to this day that Lisa was in such a hurry that night to get home before her mother, who would have arrived around 9 p.m. or so. And because Lisa was grounded, she might have stuck out her thumb and hitchhiked. So if one of us is alone, too bad. You walk it, however far it is. That was the code you had? And we had a code, yeah. So I don't know, though, because, you know, she was upset. We were all upset over what happened and getting in trouble and thinking we can never be friends again. Or, as one law enforcement source has suggested to me, perhaps Lisa knew the person who stopped and asked if she wanted a ride. Maria's unaware of this, but throughout my investigation, I've been trying to see if there's more of a connection, other than proximity, between the missing girls, Janice Pocket, Debbie Spickler, Lisa White, and Susan LaRosa. So I bring up a name. Did you know the LaRosas who lived right down the street from you? Yes. I used to babysit for her once in a while. Maria babysat for Susan LaRosa, one of the missing girls. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Here was a direct connection between Lisa White and another of the missing girls. It was the first time, Maria said, anyone had even asked her this question. Sometimes all a cold case needs is asking the right question and the floodgates open. It was as if I could see a bit of light and maybe even the shadow of a big moment finally fading, revealing itself. It felt comforting and fired me up, but at the same time, a bit overwhelming. So after leaving Maria, I sat in my Jeep and took a moment. And that was when it hit me. Janice Pocket goes missing in 73. Lisa White vanishes in 74, a block away from where Susan LaRosa lived, who then disappears herself a year after Lisa in 1975 from basically the same location. 
There's never been an official connection made among these three girls. I've asked law enforcement repeatedly. No, they have told me time and again. But as an investigator and expert on serial crime myself, especially when looking into abduction and homicide cases, I have learned there are no coincidences in murder. Only connections. In the next episode of Paper Ghosts, she moved out, and my mother seemed to be happy. At that point, she thought, wow, somebody took her off my hands, and he's going to make everything wonderful. She was an abusive mother. She didn't know how to love. She didn't know how to be a mom. These kids were not what she wanted. Police used to handle domestic violence just for the warning. They would tell husbands, you know, control your wife or go back inside, don't call us. Uh, I saw her crack him over the head with a cast iron frying pan where he needed stitches and he didn't do a thing about it because it just wasn't in him to do that. I mean, it was a hell house. Paper Ghosts is written and executive produced by me, M. William Phelps, with help from producer Christina Everett and sound editing by Pete Cardi from Backroom Audio. A special thanks to Abu Safar and Will Pearson from iHeartRadio. The series theme, number 442, is written and performed by Tom Mooney and Thomas Phelps. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's your favorite throwback podcast hosts, Jessica Bennett and Susie Banacaram, here to announce a new season of our show, In Retrospect. Which means a whole new batch of episodes diving into the pop culture moments we love and love to pick apart. From the dethroning of the first black Miss America to the legacy of a lesbian joke from four Kaftan-loving Golden Girls. Listen to In Retrospect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Hey there, fellow 20-somethings. It's your girl, Sydney Winter. And guess what? The wait is finally over. Season four of Crying in Public is here, and I'm flying solo for the very first time. That's right, no co-host to rein me in, just me and myself in the mic. From relationships to careers and all the awkward encounters in between, we're covering it all. So mark your calendars and set your reminders because Crying in Public is dropping its juiciest season yet. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, hello, Malcolm Gladwell here. This season on Revisionist History, we're looking at the dreaded phrase that no one in Hollywood wants to hear. One that describes the purgatory where once promising scripts go to die. Development hell. I called up everyone I knew in Hollywood and asked them to pitch me a project that broke their heart because it never got made. These stories were so good, and you can hear some of them on Revisionist History. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.